This is Andrea. Connie's here. And we've just been wondering about all things church or theology or discipleship or Jesus. In 20 minutes or less. This This is Just Wondering. Well, Connie, you're getting me excited. I don't know. Peter might have been my last pick. And I think discipleship goes deeper than that. That Jesus could sign. Really? Like, I just rose from the dead and now, like, you're still on that. I thought we had moved past this by now. Today, we're just wondering about hospitality and justice. And so why don't you come wonder with us? Connie, so last time we talked about the road to Emmaus, Mm -hmm. and we ended with this discussion of the connection between justice and hospitality. Mm -hmm. You know, it was Mm -hmm. interesting that it wasn't until Jesus broke the bread that they realized who he was, and they, we wondered if they would have ever known had he not come back, had they Mm -hmm. not invited him back. Mm -hmm. Their hospitality is what opened up their eyes and allowed them to see Jesus for who he really was, and Mm -hmm. We got on this very interesting topic of the connection between justice and hospitality at the very end of our last episode, so we wanted to come back and talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. Just kind of explore it, right? Because we're just wondering. Right. And we are just wondering on this. We are no authorities on this. I can absolutely guarantee you I have never taught or sat in a Sunday school lesson that tied together justice and hospitality. I'm not sure I've ever heard a sermon preached that ties together in a direct way justice and hospitality. I think part of it, um, I suspect part of it, is having grown up in the tradition in which I have, we have thought about justice in other kinds of ways and often not wanted to get very involved in in causes to call for justice. Mm -hmm. Um, That has changed for many of us. And hospitality, we talk about, but we tend to think of hospitality as a personal in your home experience that you have for invited guests that you anticipate coming and you want them to feel comfortable and at home in your home as though it is, you know, mikasa sukasa, right? Right, right? I think we don't think about these two do I call them these two dynamics of justice and hospitality and draw direct lines to what we actually can see about it in scripture yeah and to our own spiritual disciplines but I think it's very present right I think we really did hit on something Mm -hmm. that we knew at the end of the last podcast wait a second there might be something there Mm -hmm. and so really what we're inviting people into as they listen to this podcast today is to just come wonder about it with us. Because like you said, no authority. We've never heard this before. We've never taught on this before. We are just exploring this topic mm-hmm. and wondering if there is a connection. We have an inkling that there is, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk about it. And actually, we're going to start with the story of Rahab, aren't we? Yeah, I, I, I love the story. I love stories of uh, redemption. Yeah. So let's recap it. If you haven't read it in a while, you can go to Joshua and uh, begin with chapter 2. That's where the story of Rahab begins. It actually will go through several chapters where she is mentioned in Joshua. But we're going to start in chapter 2. So Joshua, 
who is in charge of of Israel at the time. They're on a conquering quest, (laughs) and they've conquered some peoples around them already, Mm -hmm. and word has gotten out. In fact, word has gotten back to Jericho. So he sends two spies to Jericho and says, scout it out and come, come report back. Basically, do you think this is a land we can take over? So these two spies go to Jericho. They end up in the house of Rahab, whose profession is prostitution. Mm-hmm. I've got all kinds of questions about that. Same. But somehow the king in Jericho finds out the two spies are in, in the city. And even more specifically, that they're at Rahab's house. Well, he hears that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, he sends word to Rahab and says, uh, I want you to bring those men out that, that are there. They're spies, and they've come to spy on us. And you know what they've done to all the people around us. So she takes these two guys up to the roof of her house, which is on the outside wall of the city, and she hides them under flax that that she's got up there. So we know it was that time of year when they were doing harvest, they would take flax, which was the most important fiber plant that, that they had, because they made linen from it. Okay. So they would take it to the rooftop to... Uh, to dry thoroughly, but also to bleach. And so nice white flax produces nice white linen. And she's got enough up there that she can cover up these these two men. So I'm envisioning a lot of <laughs> piles of flax <laughs> up there. And she covers them up. Mm-hmm. And so soldiers come to her house, and they actually don't ever go to the rooftop. Uh, she, When they get to the door, she says... You know, I don't know where those guys came from, and I don't know where they went, but they've already taken off. But it was not too long ago, and so if you hurry after them, you probably can go catch mm-hmm. them. And so giddy up, got a town, go the soldiers after them with, of course, them up on the rooftop. Right. And then it's interesting to me that she basically gives them a plan about how to not get caught. Yeah, she tells them. She's like, okay, you're going to go here. You're going to yeah. do this. You're going to wait yeah. for three days. Yep. And then you're going like- to yep. yep. And so just lay low for three days. And and by golly, they do. And that's what they do. And they, and they, they don't get caught. But they have this little transactional relationship that happens between these two guys, the spies, and Rahab. They basically say, so we'll trade you and your family's lives for our lives. Yes. The way she helped them escape was she let them down through the window Mm -hmm. on the outer wall where Mm -hmm. her house was. Mm -hmm. And what they said is, you are responsible for hanging a red cord in this window on the day that we come back to invade. Yep. And if that red cord's not there, we are not responsible for having killed your family, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let anybody go out in the street. Right. Everybody inside this building will be safe or else it's on us. Yes. Yep. But they all agree to these. They all agree to the terms. And I love, we didn't mention this, but Rahab basically says, listen, we've all heard about you and your God. Yeah. We, yeah. We're all terrified. Yeah. So the spies yeah. leave. Yep. They go out. The soldiers come back to town, said, we can't find these guys. And uh, they go back to Joshua and they, they say, yep, God's given us the whole country. Uh, let's let's go in. You know, everybody's scared to death of us. Yeah, we'll just march in there. So and, let's and take it over. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's go back to the very beginning, because one of my questions is, of all of the houses in Jericho, how do they end up in Rahab's house? Like, do they know Rahab? Do they know about Rahab? Do they get scared and they jump into her doorway? Yeah, there are so many potential answers. You know, the writer of Joshua makes it seem like it's an intentional choice. The way the verse says it. Right. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Mm -hmm. Maybe this house was known for, you know, traveling men come here. And so they thought this would be the safest place for us to blend in with the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's Mm going to know that we're spies if we're just doing, I don't know. There are all sorts of questions surrounding that, but it does seem like it wasn't just a happenstance. Mm -hmm. They were like, okay, where are we going to go? We're going to go to Rahab's house. Yeah. And then, why does she choose to hide them? You know, because Rahab is not a God worshiper. No. When she talks about God, she says, your God. Not our God, not my God, your God. She calls God by God's name. She says Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't write the word Yahweh. That's why when you see the word Lord in your Bible and it's in all caps, that's how you know that what they actually said was the name Yahweh, but we don't write it because it's too holy. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I know that Yahweh has given you this land. We, we have heard how Yahweh dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. Like the peoples around the Israelites were hearing these massive stories mm-hmm. of the Lord. And that was intentional too. The Israelites were always supposed to be a missionary people. Right. It was supposed to be share this with the world so that everyone can come to know Yahweh, that mm-hmm. everyone can come be a part. Rahab, for some reason, instead of being afraid of them or instead of, I don't, I don't know, but she goes, we've heard this. She clearly believes these things that she's heard about Yahweh, even though she knows Yahweh is not her God. But she wants to honor that. We're talking about justice and hospitality, so we've got to get back to that. I know, but I think justice and hospitality are in here. But I want us to hit one more thing before we jump into drawing the lines with justice and hospitality. Okay. And that's this, what I call transactional relationship. When the men say, and this again is the message, our lives for yours, they basically make a trade. You and your family, and isn't that interesting that this prostitute lives has a relationship to her family. The scripture mentions mother, father, brothers, sisters, I believe. So she was not someone who had been rejected by her family, question mark, mm-hmm. which would be unusual. Anyway, these guys say they make this transactional. So here's my question about that, Andrea, and what I'm wondering about in this transactional relationship Is it transactional on a human level, or was God in this? Is this the way God works? Okay, Connie. So I'm I'm kind of jiving with you. Tell like let's explore this further. Are you kind of insinuating that the transaction here was hospitality for justice? What are you? No, not not for. Okay, but I think it serves to illustrate. In part, a relationship between hospitality and justice. Okay. So we don't know why they came to her home. Right. But she lets them enter her home. But not only does she let them in her home, she hides them to keep them safe. 
it is an act of hospitality in some sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And yet, this act of hospitality also creates the space and the place for justice to occur, which in this case was, as you said, the the Israelites were always supposed to be a missionary people, mm-hmm. and God is using Joshua to come into Jericho to establish God's kingdom and presence in yet another place so that the reputation and the word of what Yahweh was up to continues to spread and grow. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully in that, um, the people of Israel were not just conquerors, but they were also purveyors of justice mm-hmm. as they conquered. Mm-hmm. And we know there are lots of instances where they, their justice is not a kind of justice that, that we necessarily understand or relate to. Yeah. But we know what they were taught in terms of justice and how they were to treat others. And, and by the way, if you, if you read all the way to chapter 6, mm-hmm. what happens with Rahab in chapter 6 is she, she, of course, has turned against her people, yeah. Canaanites, yeah. and she becomes a part of the nation of Israel yeah. and actually marries an Israelite right. Right. who was one of the princes of Judah. And why does that become important? Because Rahab is one of the five women who is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. Yep. Rahab is Jesus's, you know, great, 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 however many times, grandmother. Yep. I mean, Rahab and her husband have a son named Boaz. Uh-huh. Who, who, who marries, has another woman, <laughs> another woman in Jesus's lineage who, who marries Ruth. Who is not an Israelite. Right. And they have a son, Obed. And then Obed has Jesse. And Jesse has David, who eventually becomes King David. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, Connie, so go here with me for a second. Because, again, let's just clarify. You and I didn't do a whole lot of research on this. We didn't look up biblical commentaries. We didn't look up any of this stuff as we started talking about this particular theme. We're just reading it. We're just reading it and just wondering. Trying to listen. So here is something that I wonder with regard to Rahab being a prostitute in the nation of Canaan in the town of Jericho. Mm-hmm. So they lived by different laws. They yes, lived by different yes, rules. Yes. We know that. Different moral codes. Yes, different moral codes, exactly. So we know that Israelites were not supposed to intermarry. They were not supposed to bear children by men or women who were not also Israelites. So we can assume that if the spies were were following their own moral code that they they didn't go to the house of Rahab to uh, partake of Rahab's business. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, on a separate note, one of the things I think we're starting to see about prostitution in our day and age is that it's very much related to human trafficking and to mm-hmm. sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Rarely do women say, you know what, I think I'll just... Become a prostitute. That sounds like a great way to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That is very rarely what actually happens. And usually it's more, uh, it, it's oppressive. It's a trap. They are victims of a system that they get caught in. Mm-hmm. It, it It's not quite, you know, the loose woman that we've always looked at and kind of judged. When I, when I consider if it was similar back in the days of Canaan, or at least knowing what we know about those kind of ancient patriarchal cultures, 
if Rahab didn't have a husband, which she didn't, Mm -hmm. she had, we, we read mother, father, brother, sister, their family. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she was trying to provide for her mom and dad, maybe they were elderly, maybe they were, uh, unable to provide for themselves and she's going okay how can I a woman who doesn't have a husband Mm -hmm. how can I make money how can I support my family what am I supposed to do Mm -hmm. we have no idea what happened in her life that led her to where she had to to where she was Mm -hmm. in this position Mm -hmm. but I wonder if there's a level of not necessarily victimization from a trafficking standpoint in Rahab's story but maybe more of a a system of patriarchy where Rahab as a single woman isn't allowed to do a lot of things. Maybe she didn't have many options for what she needed. Which surely encompasses a whole variety of justice issues. Exactly. Right? Exactly where I was going mm-hmm. is what is what do we see about God's justice in this story of not only not judging Rahab or shaming Rahab or treating her as if she is this evil outsider, sinner, whatever. But first of all, God's people um, trusting her by -hmm. letting her hide them, Mm -hmm. um, honoring what she did by making this like transactional agreement, like you said. But then the beauty of the justice of God, that Rahab's family is saved, that they go become a part of the Israelites, that she marries for whatever reason she had never done that in Canaan before. Mm Mm-hmm. But here in Israel, here under God's reign, she does, and she has children, and she is honored as one of the women in the lineage of Jesus. Who may have, she may, Andrew, she may have a life that she never thought she could have. What you were saying, I, I, you know, one of my favorite lines, and I, I don't want to offend any of our listeners, but Pretty Woman is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And what's it? Who's its central core figure? <laughs> is yeah. Julia Roberts, who is a prostitute. Yep. Right. And Richard Gere, who is kind of a prostitute in his own way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's is with businesses and companies and deals, but she says at one point when they are having a heart to heart conversation, and he basically asked her how how did how did you you're bright you're beautiful how how did this happen in other words what he's trying to say is how did you become a prostitute yeah and she basically says well yeah it's it's not something that as a little girl you you plan to grow up and be Mm -hmm. and in the bigger picture of God's justice is it not God's justice at a level that we have we struggle to understand or even believe that God can use any of us regardless of where the steps of our life have been spent. God will still be willing to invite us, use us, allow our lives to be of value and use to God's greater purpose and cause, and in that work a redemptive work. Is that not justice at a level that is hard for us to understand. To even comprehend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And there's, on our part, there's agency uh, in the sense of, am I open to what God is doing in this moment? Mm-hmm. I God does not control us, right? God is working in this world and we consent 
to God's work. So in this story, I I don't see God commanding Rahab to go be a part of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. I see right. God presenting this opportunity mm-hmm. and Rahab consenting to what is God is to what God is doing and going to be a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I think of our own lives, you and me, Connie, and probably most of the people, if not all of the people who listen to this podcast, have never found ourselves in quite this kind of circumstantial mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we and, and others we know have definitely seen others who are in that circumstance. Yes. And whether we have judged them or whether we have written them off mm-hmm. or whatever we have done, mm-hmm. it has probably not been thinking about them with the heart and the mind of God as someone who God may be wanting to use, not use as if they were a tool, wanting to work in, wanting to wanting to connect with, wanting to have a relationship with, we tend to write them off. Oh, yes. We tend to judge them or say, I can't believe you would let your, you know, we're the Richard Gear. How did you let yourself get mm-hmm. into this situation? Mm-hmm. And yet here God uses <laughs> this woman in the lineage of God's own incarnation mm. of Jesus, mm. God's self. Now, Andrea, I I can't believe in the arc of God's justice that that's accidental. No. I just can't believe that. God does not look at us and see us at our worst. God does not look at us and see all the bad decisions we've made. God looks at us and sees beings that God created that are loved, that God's going, let's here here are the opportunities. I'm placing this before you. Come be a part of this. And like you said, maybe Rahab had a life with Israel that she never thought she could have because of whether it was decisions, choices that she had made in Canaan, or situations that happened to her that were completely out of her control. No matter where she found herself, she was not thrown aside cast off. And isn't that the work of justice, Connie? Isn't it part of the work of justice that we understand the systems that do throw people aside, that do cast people off or keep them down and work to not only not let those systems tell people who they are, that is not your identity. God gives you your identity, but we help to to maybe diminish the control and the power and the impression of those systems on behalf of the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed. Absolutely. And in the work of justice, I don't know if I don't know if it's a cycle, but it's a looped relationship with hospitality. Yes. Because in this act of justice, does that also not create within us a kind of hospitality? for persons that we may not have been willing to look at. Yes, in the right in the way God would have us look at them. And so we now create and offer space and place in our own lives where we might not have done so before, which by the way, isn't that what God has done with us? Mm. With you and me? Preach, Connie. So so in God's justice, we are now Offered. We are now invited and welcomed into this space with God. Into the life of the holy, into relationship. You mentioned earlier that sometimes we only think of hospitality as opening up our homes and welcoming people in. But we need a broader understanding of what hospitality is. What about opening up our lives and letting people in? Mm-hmm. Opening up our relational energies and capacities, just as you said, just like God did for us. Mm-hmm 
only when we open ourselves up in this hospitable way to see others, to allow ourselves to have relationships with others, will our eyes even sometimes be open to the injustices we see. Yes. Yes. I, I was thinking the other day about how we need workers on both levels. We need people at a systemic upper level working to overthrow. I think about things like CBF is really good about working to overthrow payday loan companies Mm -hmm. because they really do damage to people's lives. Mm -hmm. That is good. And that is kind of a higher level thing. And you could work on those without ever knowing anyone who actually has fallen prey to a payday loan. Mm -hmm. And at the same time as we need people up top working on the systemic issues, we need people with feet on the ground getting to know the names of those who maybe are under-resourced or, have, or, or who have been caught in by one of these systems and these schemes. And we need people at both levels. I almost feel like hospitality is grassroots and justice is large scale. But I can also see that same thing flipped. Say justice is on the ground and hospitality is the overarching umbrella under which justice functions. Mm. We have hospitality first and therefore we work towards justice. Mm-hmm. These two and, have to be connected. But the more we experience justice, the more hospitable we're going to become. Mm. So, Andrea, we're going to keep wondering about the relationship <laughs> between justice There's so much more and to hospitality. Mine here. Yeah. But... I think we're scratching onto something really important and really good that's going to help us both be what what we both want to be, which is more like Jesus. Right. And and to be disciples that that reflect who Christ is. Yes. And and live lives full of both justice and, and hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. Are there things that you're just wondering about? Connie and I would love to hear from you. Send us an email with your thoughts and we'd be happy to talk about it on the podcast. We're grateful to Charles Smith for helping us record these episodes and to Hook Sounds for allowing us to download this music titled Save the World.